Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to tell you about the Tar Heels' new cornerbacks coach. We dive deep into Jason Jones and what he is bringing to Chapel Hill as he takes over for Dre Bly. We also have to tell you about an article released on Tuesday basically confirming that the defensive staff is now likely set after the hire of Jones. How do we feel about that? Uh, what do we think You know about the fact that this staff could potentially be keep, keep, uh, keeping Tim Cross, a guy that we thought Carolina should have potentially been parting ways with. We'll talk to you all about that here coming up on this edition of the podcast. Real quick, though, did want to uh, mention that yesterday afternoon, the Tar Heels did land their second commitment in the 2024 class, their second commitment of the week. Uh, On Monday, you had Georgia linebacker in the 24 class, Evan Bennett, become the first commitment. Well, Carolina now has their first commitment in the state uh, in offensive tackle Desmond Jackson out of West Forsyth High School in Clemens, North Carolina, a guy that the Tar Heels became the first Division I team to offer back in October. He took a visit to the Virginia Tech games, and uh, the Virginia Tech and NC State games, and uh, does become the first commit under new offensive line coach Randy Clements. Uh, big guy, 6'5", 290, put on a lot of weight in between his sophomore and junior seasons, and uh, a guy that I would really describe as pretty much an earth mover at uh, that left tackle position. Uh, Just an absolute mauler in the run game. He had 35 knockdowns this past season, did not allow a single sack. Uh, And when you turn on his film, it makes sense. He piles up pancake blocks over and over again, really just overpowers uh, some really, really good players at the 4A level of high school football that he plays in in the state of North Carolina. Big thing for him, though, will be uh, pass pro. He will have some work to do there. They're not a team, West Force site that throws the football a lot so it's very clear that the run game is his strength but at 6'5", 290, just looking at how he's built and how he moves I could see this being a guy that eventually uh, gets moved inside when he gets to the college level so uh, that'll be interesting to monitor with him but Carolina now, two commitments in the class, one from two really the two states that Carolina I think is going to have to have the most success in in this recruiting cycle. The home state of course especially with another really good class here uh, in 2024 led by Jaden Davis, the four-star, uh, five-star cornerback um, that is 
Uh, really just, I mean, as of right now, it looks like Carolina and Michigan are the two for him, and it looks like he is starting to near a decision. It shouldn't be that far off for him. Uh, it's not a shock that quarterbacks usually some of the first guys to go off the board in recruiting classes, so Carolina's got to do their homework uh, here over the next you know couple of months, but uh, if they could get him and then you know take care of some of the other big names in this class, in the state, then uh, they should be able to have a lot of success, but they'll also need to be able to have success down there in the state of Georgia. Bennett, really a guy that plays at a smaller school down there, so not a seismic uh, you know, addition for Carolina in terms of what it could mean for some of the other guys in the state, but definitely one uh, that is worth monitoring. We will have a more, you know, a fuller breakdown of this um, and, uh, you know, talk about what it means for the class overall, me and Zach Hubbard, later on uh, sometime either, either over the weekend or early next week. But let's go to the on-the-field uh, portion of this podcast and let's talk about the coaching staff. And the first thing that we have to talk about is, as I mentioned when we came in uh, for this edition of the podcast, Jason Jones being hired as the Tar Heels' new cornerbacks coach. And uh, I I think really just I want to keep it relatively simple right out of the gate here as I welcome in Josh Marlowe, who is here with me uh, talking a little bit of off-season football uh, for the Tar Heels. And, buddy, when you look at this hire, I mean, what was your initial reaction? Because I don't think it was a name that a lot of people knew. But once you started to sort of do a little bit of a deeper dive on his career, I think a lot of people came out feeling pretty confident about the guy that the Tar Heels are getting. Yeah, this is the type of hire that Mac Brown should have made four years ago because you got a guy that's a proven—he's a proven coach. You look at the type of guys that he has coached: nine first-team All-Conference honorees, twenty All-Leagues selections. Uh, He's mentored four Jim Thorpe Award semifinalists and Bronco Nagurski Award finalists. That's the type of pedigree that Carolina needs coaching its defensive backfield. And if you would have had this the previous four years. Maybe you wouldn't have seen the mass exodus of talent in that in that defensive back room because you would you would have gotten the most out of the talent, and that's what I look at with this guy right here, is that if Carolina can keep on getting the talent in that defensive back room, you now have a guy that you feel a lot more comfortable and confident is going to get the most out of those guys and will be able to develop them as their careers move forward. Because when we look at the guys like Storm Duck and Tony Grimes, their best years as Tar Heels were when they came in and played as freshmen. They never, you know, they, they never took steps forward in their sophomore and junior seasons. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, for Mac Brown to come to this decision to for him and Dre Bly to to mutually agree to part ways for what you will, to then go out and get this type of name with the type of pedigree he has is 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 a good thing for Carolina because it still shows that people still view this as an attractive place to want to come coach. Of course, his, his uh, background and his uh, time spent with Charlton Warren I definitely had to play a role in this move as well. But overall, I like this move a lot by by Mac Brown, and I think it just justified that moving on from Dre Bly was the right decision. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't know if it would have meant there was a ton of more success than you saw with Dre Bly here on the recruiting trail because, look, I I think that was the area where Dre Bly just did so much work. So I don't really know what the overall outlook of this team would have been like. You know, if if they hired a guy like Jason Jones right out of the gate, because Carolina needed talent in that defensive back room when he first took over, there was no doubt about that. Um, so I think you know Dre Bly did what he had to do there, but I think this is the perfect second hire. I think more of the question with this is, did they wait maybe a little bit too long to make this type? Of hire, but now uh, you know they bring in a guy as you mentioned that uh, has coached uh, just a, a ton of guy, a, a ton of extremely talented guys. I mean, you ju- you look, you know, just going back to his time, even in Indiana, you know, this past year uh, they were one of the worst pass defenses in the entire country, and I think a lot of people are looking at that and are a little bit concerned. But the thing to remember is, is that he coached the safeties. He did not coach the corners, and he wasn't the defensive backs 
quarterbacks coach. Uh, he specifically coached the safety position. And when you go back and look at you know what ha- the performances of those guys, look, they certainly weren't great. They weren't the best group of safeties in the entire country, but they weren't the reason that Indiana's Hass defense struggled uh, the way that they did last year. Um, I-, I think the big thing, you know, for when you look at his time there was you go back to that 2020 season when Indiana had one of the best seasons in program history. Now, granted, shortened year because of COVID, they played in the Big, tw- uh, big Ten, Um but, you know, Jamar Johnson, first-team all-conference player. Devin Matthews, third-team all-conference player. Uh, Johnson became the first IU safety to earn first-team honors uh, in conference. It's Eric Allen back in 1996. Uh, and he, he also became the first de- uh, player when he was selected by the Denver Broncos in the fifth round. He was the first uh, Indiana Hoosier safety to be drafted since 96 when they, uh, Eric Smedley got drafted. So uh, he did some really good things there. Um, bat, you know, in that 2020 season, uh, Indiana was a team that led the league and finished second nationally with 17 interceptions, five of which uh, were accounted for by his safety. So uh, he's part of, you know, that, that's that been one of the other things that you'll see if you go back and look, a lot of aggression uh, when it comes to going after the football uh, under Jones. I mean, you go back to his time, 2019, when he was with Florida Atlantic. Miko Dotson earns first-team all-conference honors. You could have argued he probably could have been an All-American because he shared the national lead with nine interceptions overall uh, the Owls led the nation in takeaways with 33 in route to a Conference USA and Boca Raton Bowl championship. So a ton of success there in his one year at Florida Atlantic. You go back further, his time at Ole Miss, extremely successful as well. Senquez Golson, probably a name that a lot of people will remember from uh, that mid-2010s era uh, when that defense for Ole Miss was so good under Hugh Freeze. Uh, he actually had a season where he finished with 10 interceptions, which was second nationally. He was the guy that finished uh, inside of the top three of the Bronco Nagurski Award voting. Uh, that's why he was named a finalist for that award. Um, and, and, you know, he, he teamed with Mike Hilton, a guy that's actually still in the NFL at this point, getting ready to play actually uh, later on this weekend for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, that was one of the best cornerback tandems they have ever seen at Ole Miss, as both of those guys were Thorpe semifinalists at some point in their career. And then if you go back even further, to really the spot where he got his first big break, where he stayed for a while. Oklahoma State, 2008 to 2012, uh, where he led six different Cowboys to first-team All-Big 12 honors as the cornerbacks coach. Amongst that group, uh, there were some really good players, probably three of the best corners that have ever played at Oklahoma State. You have Paris Cox, uh, as well as Broderick Brown. Both of those guys were Thorpe semifinalists. And then, of course, he was the guy that brought in and coached Justin Gilbert, who was the eighth overall pick in the 2014 NFL Draft by the Cleveland Browns. And uh, his first year when he was there, uh, while, while Jones was still on staff, he had five interceptions. So he immediately came in and made an impact under Jones's tutelage. And he has coached 10 players since 2008 that have finished with four or more interceptions in a season. So all of that that I just talked about right there, I think it shows the thing, you know, a couple of different things. But the first thing I want I, I want to focus on here is I think it shows a guy that just knows how to coach players to create turnovers. And one of the things that we talked about so much when it comes to Gene Chizik and his system, because we saw it the first time in 2015, it worked wonders. In 2016, we saw what happened when they didn't turn the football over. Um I think this is the type of guy that fits exactly what Gene Chizik needs from a cornerback's coach, a guy that's going to have an an aggressive mindset, 
that wants to create turnovers because in order for this defense to be successful, they have to be able to create fumbles and, more importantly, create interceptions. Yeah, because, I mean, we we know that it's a given. This defense is going to give up yards. Like, that's just the way that that Gene Chizik wants to play. He's going to give up everything that you want to get from the 20 to the 20. But once you get inside the 20-yard line, he's going to make you work for it. And, um, you know, the the best – there's nothing wrong with playing that type of uh, defensive football in the modern era because it's really hard to stop the offenses you see now in college. It's it's honestly really common to the the way that modern football – And so the the best defenses that that really – thrive in those models and those systems they either create a lot of pressure on the quarterback so they register a lot of sacks and usually that leads to turnovers and um you know that that was the thing that Carolina just couldn't do you know the last couple years was they just could not they could not force turnovers you know in 2020 they had a pretty good pass rush that got after the quarterback um and, and that was able to really overcome some of the deficiencies on for that defense but you know like just imagine if this defense you know the last you know even the, the year of Sam Howell's junior year what if they could have forced turnovers how would that season had gone with an offense that put up you know 35 points what it felt like week in and week out and so um, I think having a guy that wants to be aggressive, I think the, you know the players will respond to that because these defensive backs want to be as aggressive as they can be to try to make plays. Given the rules, means they can't really hit like they used to be able to, and stuff like that. And I think it just changes the mindset. If you have a secondary that wants to fly around and make plays, I, I, I think that I think that really permeates throughout the entire team where. Um, you know, then then everybody wants to play fast, and they want to be a part of forcing turnovers. I think it'll bring back. You know, this might bring back even more of that rude boys mantra that this defensive backfield has kind of labeled itself mm-hmm. with, um, and which they haven't really earned really since the Butch Davis era uh, came to a close. Like I think you'll see that maybe have a return and and, and be more validated than it was in years past. And so, um, I'm excited because because at least. At least we know we have a guy that on the field as a coach is proven, and we shouldn't have that in Dre Bly. And I think we were waiting, you know, we were hoping that it was going to work out. It worked out off the field, which was the biggest reason we feel like he got the job, but, you know, it lacked and it hurt the Tar Heels on the field. I think that's going to change. I think you'll see better play out of that defensive backfield, and um, this team's going to need that going into next season if they want to compete again for an ACC title. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just going back and looking at the amount of guys that have had four or more interceptions, even during the time span that Jones has been a either full-time cornerbacks coach or uh, safeties coach. And going back and looking at it, Carolina has had eight guys that have had four or more interceptions in a season. The majority of those were late in the Butch Davis era when this team was just about as good as it could get defensively. One of the best defenses, you know, outside of maybe some of those 90s teams that we've seen at Carolina and and some of the Dick Crum era defenses. But since 2015, Carolina has had one player that has had four more interceptions. Strangely enough, that was Cameron Kelly in 2021. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's just a that's a big part of what you have to do because, as, as you mentioned, you know, he's going to give you everything in between the 20s. His his defense is built around limiting the big explosive plays. And look, this this past year didn't really happen. Big part of that was because you know the corner struggled at times. That was, you know, something that we talked about with Dre Bly was the coaching because it seemed like just about every guy that got out there seemed to have similar struggles. And, you know, safeties is hopefully a spot that Carolina is getting some new blood there. Maybe that allows them to have a little bit more success moving forward. But I think the corners, if you can get this to be an aggressive group that just creates some turnovers and takes the pressure off of this offense to move the ball, because I think we saw that late in the year. We saw an offense that could feel the pressure on them to move the ball consistently every single drive. And it wasn't like they were getting great field position to help them out on that. 
Um, so I, I think that's a big thing is can he come in and find a way to just create more turnovers, be a little bit more consistent with the corners that are out there. The biggest thing for me with him, though, is just look at the guys that he has helped to develop. Man, Senquez Golson, that was a dude when he came to Ole Miss, nobody thought that dude was going to become what he actually became. I mean, he was one of the best uh, players on the defensive side of the football back in 2013. He was absolutely amazing. And he did a great job of developing him. I talked about all the corners that he developed over there at Oklahoma State. Uh, Miko Dotson was a guy that uh, nobody really knew about from Florida Atlantic, but as I said, he should have probably been an All-American uh, because of just you know the amount of success that he had for Florida Atlantic. So I think that's the thing that is really exciting is that Carolina goes from a guy in Dre Bly who was such a great recruiter and you know really brought in the talent to getting a guy now that we think, is able to do what he wasn't, which is develop that talent. And to me, that's the more important thing. Look, Jason Jones, if you go back and look, just based off of 24-7 sports, he has landed four, uh, or excuse me, three four-star prospects in his time there. Everybody else has been a three a three star and look there's other guys that he probably has helped out with uh, that he just doesn't get credit for on their website uh it, it happens but he's not the master recruiter the difference is though he seems like he is pretty close to being a master developer of talent at the cornerback spot and I think right now with where this team is at with the struggles that they have had even after bringing in the talent they sorely need a guy that can develop talent. Yeah, because you know that that's that's what the good programs that become great programs do is you get the talent in there, and then you develop the talent to to be able to and you and you develop the depth and stuff like that. Um, and that wasn't happening with with Dre Bly in in the secondary. They were getting the type of dudes in here that you need to compete to win conference championships in a in a in a expanded playoff format. Maybe compete for one of those at large bids, but it just wasn't going to happen with the way that it was going. You now have a guy that you know can not only get the talent here that you want and that you need, but he also has proven that he can develop the type of talent that that, that it takes to win the type of games we still think we can win here. And, and I think that was what this hire, I think, really signaled by Mac Brown was that, you know, even though they're coming off a, a disappointing into the season, this was a team that was at one point nine and one. Um and, mm-hmm. and it put itself in a position to achieve a lot of things that this program never has. And that was with the defense playing I mean, they they actually their numbers, if you go back and look at it, got better down the stretch of the season. So they were playing horrendously defensively and they were nine and one. If they were if they were playing a little bit better than that, you really wonder where the team could have been. So I mean, I think that's what you know. That's why I, I'm I'm excited about the hire because I think it, I think he validated the reason why he moved on from Dre Bly because there were a lot of people that were just upset that it happened because he was a former he was a former Tar Heel and he was a great player here and he had a pretty good NFL career. That doesn't mean that he just has the right to stay on a coaching staff when he's underperforming. Right, and that and here's the other thing about that. You can still feel bad for Dre Bly. You could still feel, you know, like, man, that sucks that we, you know, a, a guy that was a former player here did not work out. But at the same time, admit to yourself, hey, we got to move on for the best of the program moving forward. I mean, that's that's where I'm at. Like, no, clearly I wasn't sitting there saying to myself when he got hired back in 2019, oh, man, or, you know, late 2018, oh, man, I really hope Dre Bly doesn't end up working out. Right. No, we we wanted him to work out, but it just didn't. And we got to the point where we had to admit to ourselves, man, this guy's doing some great things recruiting-wise. And I'm I'm going to tell you, I still – I it is we, – we still have to wait and see on that as to how Carolina recovers from him departing as a recruiter. But I think you can still admit, hey, man, this was a move that just had to be made for the best of the program moving forward. Yep, and and so, I mean, look, I, I, I don't feel sorry for all parties involved because that's the way this job works. You get paid a lot of money to perform. When you don't perform, when you, don't perform you get fired. 
And and so, you know, um, I, I don't think this is going to hinder Dre Bly from coming back to, you know, to, to be around the program. I think I think he will still be very close to what's going on, you know, in and around Tar Heel football. And he, he's also said that he's going to con- go somewhere else to continue to grow and develop as a coach. And maybe somewhere down the line, 10, 15 years from now, he has a lot more proven as a on the track record, and we can bring him back, and he can be the type of coach we thought we were getting four years ago. That didn't happen. Mac Brown moved on. You've now replaced him with a better coach, and now I think that will lead to much better results on the football field, which is the most important thing. How much do you uh, you put into the fact that Charlton Warren and Jason Jones worked together at Indiana? It was only for one year, but do you think that that is going to really pay off for this defense even as soon as this year the fact that they have worked together before yes because now this staff is starting to build defensive continuity and you look around some of the best staffs in in college football there's continuity that 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 is up and down the coaching staffs on both sides of the ball because these guys know how to coach with one another they know how to watch film with one another they know how to put together practice plans they know what their strengths are they know what their weaknesses are so yes I, I put a lot of emphasis on that and I think that was just another smart move by Mac Brown who was a CEO type of coach he just oversees what the program is doing on both sides of the ball well now he should be able to trust that his corners coach and his safeties coach along with his co-defensive coordinator and stuff will be able to put together the right type of practice plans they'll be able to you know correct the stuff in the film room and and be do better at, at making in-game adjustments on the field so I, I that's another reason why um, I, I'm really impressed and I'm really pleased with this hire because Carolina needed continuity on that side of the football and now they've got it well yeah I mean it, it, one of the things that I talked about one of the reasons I thought you couldn't move on from Gene Chizik this offseason was because he was basically he got to bring Charlton Warren with him, but he was basically handed the rest of the staff and told, figure it out. All your other position coaches were guys that were holdovers. And look, I think, to me, Tommy Thigpen was the guy that, look, I thought he had to stay because I think he's just done a tremendous job with the linebackers you know, over the last few years, but especially the, the guys that are there right now, primarily Cedric Gray. I mean, that dude has turned into an All-American type of player from a guy that Carolina was his only Power 5 offer. Before that, he was b- basically slated to head to West Point to play for the Army Black Knights. So, I, I mean, I, I just I think this is something that had to happen. You had to let... Gene Chizik, Charlton Warren, whoever you want to credit with bringing this guy in, you had to let them get somebody that fit this system a little bit better. And as I said earlier, I really think that Jason Jones fits exactly what the Tar Heels are looking for at cornerbacks coach under Gene Chizik. He's a guy that's going to be aggressive, that's going to want to create turnovers, and I think it's going to pay off almost immediately uh, for Carolina. Now we got to move on to the article that was written on Tuesday of this week by Greg Barnes of Inside Carolina. Uh, doesn't, you know, not a full-time writer for them like he once was, but he wrote a really interesting piece that's on their website right now, um, basically saying that the defensive coaching staff is likely set for this upcoming season. Um it, it this one I think frustrated a lot of people. There was a lot of reaction, um, a lot of people going after Mac Brown, not happy with the fact that this is going to be the group that uh, Carolina is moving forward with heading into this season after what we saw on the defensive side of the football this past year. And the main guy that everybody is talking about, as we have brought up multiple times on this podcast, is defensive line coach Tim Cross. And in the article. It goes back and cites one thing that we already knew, which was the relationships to players. We heard that inside Carolina. I think it may have even been Greg Barnes himself uh, earlier on in the offseason said that, uh, even before the bowl game it was, said that they really liked the fact that he was so connected to the guys along that defensive line. 
They were fearing that that you know the the guys that are there right now uh, with a, just a ton of raw talent uh, would potentially bolt and leave in the transfer portal, and that was one of the big reasons that they were keeping him. Uh, in this article, also came to light that he has become the spiritual leader for the team after Mitch Mason's health issues, uh, which is something that we clearly did not know at the time. Um, but I, I think, you know, Toriel fans are still kind of a little up in arms about the fact that he is going to be a part of this, not even a part of the staff. I think at this point, like, look, he's worked under Mac Brown before. He worked actually did some strength and conditioning stuff for him in his time at Texas. I think people, you know, just like with Dre Bly, if it's an off-the-field role, I don't think people are going to care. But the fact that with the lack of success, once this team got into conference play, the final 10 games of the regular season, Carolina had 21 tackles for loss and 10 sacks in the final 10 games. That is unbelievably terrible. That is that, that is unacceptable. There with the amount of talent that is in that room that we just talked about, him getting credit for being there and the reason they don't want him to leave. I mean it's just that this one this one definitely has me a little a little pissed off. I'm not going to lie. This is why you still should doubt what's the future for Tar Heel football under Mac Brown. Because there are other programs with less accomplished head coaches than Mac Brown. Although in the modern era of college football, Mac Brown is just an average is just an average football coach that would have fired him and, and would have moved on. Because his 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 production has gotten war has gotten worse the longer that he's been here at Carolina. Um, you know, you, you say all that talent. I I I go back to. There's a reason why those are all projections. Um, I think a good bit of that talent is overrated. Well, that, well apparently, apparently they don't think that in the building. That's the problem. And then then that might be another issue. But I mean, even if it's not overrated talent, then you're not getting the most out of that talent, like Dre Bly. And so, um, it, it's going to be interesting because, um, if if Carolina doesn't get better in the front four, it doesn't it doesn't matter how much of an improvement Jason Jones makes in that secondary. I mean, unless they force a historic amount of turnovers, if Carolina can't win up front, then the secondary is still going to get picked apart and it's going to be exposed. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. That's basic one-on-one football. So as happy and, and pleased as I was with the decision to move on from Dre Bly to go and upgrade that position coach, I'm as equally just confused that Mac Brown, a man that we believe to know a lot about the game of football, is looking at the way his defensive line plays and is satisfied with it. Because I'm telling you at other places that don't even have the type of you know, investment in football that Carolina has, Tim Cross would have been fired. And it's just that's that's just a simple fact. You put him at like Northwestern, his ass would have been gone. Um, no, you put him at Northwestern State, his ass would have been gone. So it's just, I mean, it's it's frustrating because, but th- I mean, this all just comes back to, you know, why why there's why why this program, despite coming off a nine and five year despite having arguably its best quarterback in program history and Drake May coming back, it's it's why they will enter the season at a crossroads because he made some changes but not enough to make us feel confident that this program is moving in the right direction. Look, I, I think he, he deserves credit for the talent that he has brought in. There's no doubt about it. You know that we, we kind of disagree on that because if, if – the, the guys, really that unit in particular, you're bringing in guys that are five-star caliber players. I mean, you brought in multiple guys up front. Dez Evans, Keyshawn Silver, and now most recently, Travis Shaw. They're not all going to be, they're not all going to struggle the way that they have so far, if you're coached right. And that's the problem that I have, you know, with him overall. And I mean, it extends to even other guys like Javari Ritzy, high-end four-star player. 
It's every one of these guys that they're bringing in. Miles Murphy. Like, Miles Murphy, he took a massive step back this year. And you can't tell me that. Like, here's my question. Who on this defense has gotten better? Or not defense, defensive line. Who on this defensive line has gotten better since they've arrived at campus? Is there anybody? Cayman Rucker. Has he gotten better, though? Because I think he was really good as a freshman. Like, he showed some really good signs. But, like, okay, even if I give you Cayman Rucker, can you tell me anyone else from that group? Anybody? No. Not that I've seen. So, like, I just, how in the world do you look at that, that level of development, and say, we're keeping this guy? You know, and look, from the spiritual aspect, I'm not going to talk on that. I'm not because, look, I get it. That That is a big part of what goes on in any program. But from the coaching standpoint, from the just focusing on the defensive line coaching, I don't see how you can keep him. In the article that was written by Barnes, he points to, you know, some of the metrics from football outsiders. There was only one of nine defensive line metrics this past year from footballoutsiders.com where the Tar Heels ranked inside of the top 100 in the country. And that was power success rate, uh, which represents the percentage of carries on third or fourth down with two yards or less to go to pick up a first down. That, that was an area where they were actually pretty solid, surprisingly. But other than that, I mean, we are talking about just some terrible, terrible statistics. Carolina ranked 130th in the country in sack rate. 3%. 3% of the defensive snaps that they played a year ago resulted in a sack. And 119th in sack rate on obvious passing downs at 5.1%. Carolina had 17 sacks. The entire season, despite playing in 14 games this year. And their total tackle or their tackles for loss number, not much better. I, I If I remember coming into the game against Oregon, they were 129th in the country in tackles for loss. I, I mean, it's just they're not winning up front. And here's the here's the last thing that we'll say about this. And I'm interested to hear your take on this because I think it is just a cop out to be honest with you. I think there is some truth to it, but not not enough to keep him around. Do you buy this thing that people just say, "Well, it's Gene Chizik's scheme." That's the only reason why. Cuz I I'm not uh, come on. I'm not there. I didn't think he did a great job under Jay Bateman. We were talking last offseason about how this was a prove-it year for him. So to me, Come on, that's BS. No, I I don't think it was because I thought Carolina's defensive line in fifteen was really good. Um, it it, it did it, true. It it did enough to get the job done with less overall talent. If you're just going off of high school rankings, you know that didn't happen last year. Um, the biggest problem with Carolina's defensive line is is their technique is is borderline. It's borderline embarrassing. Which is coaching. Because folks. these 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 defensive linemen, the first thing they do when they go to attack the, the off off uh, off the line of scrimmage is they stand up. So whatever leverage that they have, they immediately give it up. That's a problem. That's a problem if I can sit on my my ass at home, shirtless, with Cheeto dust on my fingers. And point that out. Oh, so why? I, I, why are you doing that? I, I don't get how Tim Cross can't see that, how Mac Brown can't see that. I, it, it just it just doesn't make sense. So, do I think that's look? I think a lot of what Gene uh, Gene Chizik's scheme is to not give up a lot of points. Yeah. So I do think mm-hmm. Carolina's going to give up yards. They're going to give up plays. But do I think his scheme is the reason as to why that this defensive line sucks? No, I'm not, not. Not that, but we are talking about historically bad defensive line play, at least from a Carolina perspective. Like, it's just there is no way around that. You can try to explain it whatever way you want, but folks, 
it's just it, it is just nowhere near where it needs to be right now, especially with the guys in that room. And we talked about the defensive back group having guys that left that cornerback room, having some really talented players that left. Look, I understand that it's not nearly the same up front on the defensive line, but I think it is rather telling that a guy like Keyshawn Silver, after two years, is already entering the transfer portal. And and look, you could say whatever you want about, well, some of the other guys would have probably gone as well. Yeah, I get that, but here's my thing. Shouldn't that be a silver lining that a guy like him is leaving after two years? Well, no, look, I think that I would have liked to see him stay in a Tar Heel uniform. You missed my joke. Uh, I don't know. That, that was a lame-ass joke. I, uh, you, Dude, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm pissed off today. I'm pissed off today at this. I just, good attempt. I, I just, quality, I. Quality content content there I, I just my thing is is like why this is a guy that was the headliner of one of your recruiting classes that has left and you're worried well you know the other guys could potentially leave but he left because he wasn't being developed right don't you think there is a chance moving forward that the same thing could happen with these other guys that you are saying, well, they got you know close ties to Coach Cross? Yeah, they do now because they're still early in their careers. But when they realize, hey, I'm not being, I'm, I'm not developing the way I need to. As of right now, I'm probably not going to make the NFL. Don't you think at at some point they are going to say to themselves, maybe I have to leave? Like, I just, my thing is, you got the talent down there. Great. What does it matter if the talent is not performing? Mm-hmm. What if? What does it matter if they're not being developed? So, like, I, I just, it's frustrating because this reminds me so much of last year with Stacey Searles. The only reason Stacey Searles is not Carolina's offensive line coach right now is because Georgia plucked him away. And look, you could say whatever the hell you want about, well, look at Georgia. They just won their second straight national championship. Dude, it sure as hell wasn't because of Stacey Searles. I'm going to tell you that right now. When you got that type of talent that he had there, it, it, you, you can't say that he wasn't going to be able to have success. I, I mean, that's just – and there have been multiple people that have said that. I just – come on, man. Seriously. Open your eyes and realize that it's okay to be frustrated with this. And and, and this is the thing, because I'm with you. I thought moving on from Dre Bly, I thought the hire of Jason Jones were really good moves. I'm not saying – there's people that are saying this is it for Mac Brown, this should be – I'm not saying that. But, I mean, it definitely it, – it, what, what was looking like a pretty good offseason with what you had done – with the coaching staff, with what you had done through the transfer portal, because I think they did a good job in the transfer portal as well. Yeah, they did. It's just it, this this takes some of the steam out of that good off season, right? I mean, I can't be the only one thinking. I mean, it's why the program is still at a crossroads. You had a chance to really, to really ease some of the worries and, con- and the concerns going into next year. They were still going to exist because you're bringing in a new play caller of on course, the offensive of side of the ball and stuff like that. But for the most part, I like how they attra- how they attacked the portal. Well, that was the other reason they needed to get better defensively. Because you are changing things on the offensive side of the ball to a guy in Chip Lindsey that, no offense... Hasn't he hasn't had the type of success that Phil Longo had coming in? So you know, and I mean, I think <laughs> we say it all the time during the season. Tar Heel football is going to Tar Heel football. We can say it in the off season too because uh, they did. They took a step forward, but they could have taken mul- they could have taken multiple steps forward uh, if Mac Brown would have been willing to to fire a coach who deserved to be fired and. He did it, and now we got to see, you know, kind of what happens. I, I think, like, I think the thing is, is that I'm not rooting for Tim Cross to fail. No, I, I, we I, would love for him to have success. But after four years, mm-hmm. I, I no longer have the faith and trust he's the right guy to get this defensive line where it needs to get to to be an impact on that side of the ball. And so that's why going in to the season next year, I'll have. I'll have my doubts and reservations about how just about how good this Tar Heel defense can be, let alone how good this Tar Heel team can be. Yep, I agree with you. And so uh, we'll we'll you know we'll we'll move forward. This is the group that we're going to be working with. Hopefully, 
they find a way to perform a little bit better up front this coming season. And hopefully they can help out a guy that we really like in Jason Jones. Uh, make sure you guys head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Check out the article that we have up there, by the way, about Jason Jones hiring. We go a little more in-depth on him over there, uh, just in case you want a little bit more information about his background and everything like that. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, uh, and uh, I'll tell you a, a couple of storylines about some former Tar Heels uh, doing some really cool things. Uh, stick around for that on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, back right after this. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Guys, this weekend I will definitely be betting on the Cincinnati Bengals against the Kansas City Chiefs. I know Patrick Mahomes is special, but man, he's dealing with that high ankle sprain. Joe Burrow looked absolutely fantastic up in Buffalo, and so did that defense. I think it could be a tough day for that Kansas City offense, especially if Mahomes isn't 100%. And I definitely think Joe Burrow could have a big day of his own. So I might have to jump in there on a couple of those prop bets, and I'm going to do it all at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter, at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself, at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber 2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pegnata, Josh Marlowe with you. Well, the first thing that we have to tell you guys about is Jason Brown, the Tar Heels' former center, is being elected to the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, this is this is a tremendous accomplishment for him, a guy that uh, was really a... a, a a great player for the Tar Heels at the center position in his time on campus. He was a native of Henderson, North Carolina, attended Northern Vance High School, and uh, Carolina uh, brought him in. Uh, He started his career as an offensive tackle, moved over to center, and earned first-team honors for the team back in 2004. He was originally drafted by the Ravens before signing a five-year deal in uh, in 2009 with the St. Louis Rams that made him the highest paid center in the league. He did retire from uh, the NFL in 2012 uh, and became a farmer in Lewisburg, North Carolina, uh, maintaining uh, First Fruits Farms, uh, and uh, he still does that. Uh, to this day, uh, he of course uh, just just a, a guy that you know. I think Carolina fans have uh, really put up there with some of the best centers uh, that they have seen. Of course, Jeff Saturday is the name that always comes up, but uh, Jason Brown, one that certainly uh, deserves a lot of recognition. Congratulations to him and to Jerry Stackhouse on the basketball side of things, who goes in as well. They are the 65th and 66th members of the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, that are connected to uh, North Carolina as a player, coach, administrator, or alumni uh, who is a member of the sports media. 
The other news, this was a big one that was announced today. Now former Tar Heel wide receiver Antoine Green, who just wrapped up his career this past season, is going to play in the Shrine Bowl coming up. A great chance for him to display his talents in front of NFL scouts. Uh, And this is huge for him. Of course, missed the Holiday Bowl with an injury, uh, was only to be used in an emergency situation, and really just a terrible way for him to have to close out his career. Uh, Was so, you know, his time was so injury riddled. Uh, when he was on campus, did a lot of really good things for Carolina, was a big part of what they did each of these last two years. Um, Closed his career this year with 43 receptions, 798 yards, and seven touchdowns in just nine games played because, of course, had the injury late in the season that kept him out of the bowl game and, uh, of course, had the broken collarbone early in the year that prevented him from playing in the first three games for Carolina. But he gets a chance now as he pursues an NFL career career uh, to play in one of the most prestigious bowl games uh, outside of the senior bowl. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Guys, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Check out that full breakdown on Desmond Jackson, Carolina's first in-state commit of the 2024 class. What are the Tar Heels getting in the young offensive tackle? Uh, we go a little bit further into his skill set, uh, his you know his successful junior season at West Forsyth High School. All that is on the website uh, over there at HeelToughBlog.com. Also got the article up there about Evan Bennett, the uh, Tar Heels' first commit in the class when he committed on Monday, so make sure you go check that out. Uh, Those can both be found under the football recruiting tab if you're looking for that, but it's also uh, right there on the homepage for you guys to check out. Meanwhile, on the basketball side of things, Carolina uh, does have a little bit of time off here, but picked up a a really big win on the road at Syracuse. Needed a little luck to do so, but Josh has you covered uh, on all things basketball when Carolina does uh, return to action. Uh, make sure you guys are you know checking out that that recap of the Louisville game. And uh, also, he will be getting you prepared, prepared for the Wednesday night matchup in the Smith Center against the Pittsburgh Panthers as the Tar Heels look to enact a little revenge before they then have to pack their things and go eight miles down the road to take on the Duke Blue Devils on Saturday night. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. This edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast. Find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings. And the subscribing, that is for you. So you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast family moving forward. And thank you once again for listening to this edition.